Hello, welcome to Autism in Outer Space. This is Elise, and I just wanted to um, say that I'm back. Uh, it's been a little bit. Um, I took a little bit of a break there. Uh, I did post on Instagram in my stories that I was uh, experiencing some burnout for the last couple weeks. Um, or what I think was burnout. Um, so I, I wanted to like make a post that said that I was <laughs> experiencing burnout so that it would reach more people. You know, if anybody went on to check and was wondering why there weren't any new episodes, I don't want people to think I just abandoned the podcast, which can happen when you are, um, ADHD. <laughs> I tend to tend to throw myself into things, into projects, into interests, and then drop them. Um, that is definitely not uncommon for me. However, I, I feel like this has been, uh, sort of like a kind of therapy for me. Um, so I do really like doing the podcast. So thank you so much for sticking around. If you're listening, I appreciate it. Um, I did notice when I logged in to uh, record this that there are quite a few more listens. So if you're a new listener, thanks for joining. Thanks for checking it out. Um, this podcast really has no like particular order as far as the episodes go. So um, feel free to like browse the topics and pick one. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, not it for today. I'm going to continue with, a with the episode, but I think that's it for introductory, uh, comments. <laughs> okay. So what I wanted to talk about today, I guess, and what's been on my mind is anxiety, which I know I've talked a lot about anxiety, but anxiety is a huge part of my life. And it always has been. Um, specifically what I want to talk about when it comes to anxiety. Because there's so many things. <laughs> so many things we could go into um, with the topic of anxiety. Um, but I really want to talk about what I think could be, excuse me, like going nonverbal or selective mutism or whatever you want to call it. I like having names for things. I like being able to categorize things. So I really want a name for this that I, it's a, something I experience. I think it could be selective mutism or going nonverbal, but what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to describe it, talk it out. <laughs> if you relate, I'd love a comment on Instagram or an email or something. If you relate to this and you have a name for it, that would be great if you wanted to share. Um, so, so what it is, I, I experienced it recently, so I feel like I can kind of describe it well. So I've noticed that in general, if I'm really anxious or I have been experiencing a lot of anxiety, um, sometimes I will dissociate. I think I have, I think I've labeled, I think I know what that is for me what it feels like for me. Um, I might have talked about this before, but I never considered that I dissociate until my birth experience, my first birth experience, which was 
uh, traumatic and I definitely dissociated during that, but that was like the most obvious form of dissociation. Like it was just so obvious to me that after the birth, I was like, what was that? I mean, that was, I almost was, it was interesting because I remember feeling very negative about it as far as like, I, I knew it was a trauma response, like without somebody telling me, I just knew it was a trauma response. But I also remember, and especially in the moment, I remember being glad for it, like being happy that that trauma response exists because it allowed me to take a break from the trauma, allowed myself to detach from the trauma. And I was like, part of me was like, my body is so cool. Or my brain, I guess it's more your brain that's doing this is so cool. <laughs> like I just found it really interesting. And, and I remember in the moment thinking like, Oh man, I must be like in the zone. Like I'm really handling this well now, you know, like the, the level of trauma has just was just cut in half and I can just like be on the outside observing what's happening. <laughs> And then after, and then I had a complete 180 after the trauma and was like, that was traumatic right there. And that's, that's what we did. My EMDR around was like basically right before the dissociation, I guess, like leading up to it. Um, so th this is these, inc the incidents I'm going to talk about today though, are less obvious, um, less obvious association leading to what I think is selective mutism. So, okay. So hopefully that made sense. <laughs> um, so let me describe the experience. Okay. So what happens is if I am really anxious before talking, this is usually to like a group of people, although it has definitely happened talking one-on-one -on -one to somebody, but, um, usually it's like if I'm in a group, uh, like there's a lot of noise around me. And so, and, like if I'm, if I'm alone one-on-one -on -one with somebody and it's quiet and like, there's no, and there's no, I don't want to say no reason for anxiety. Cause is there really a reason for anxiety sometimes? Not really. <laughs> um, but yeah, usually it's in a group setting, whether I'm talking to the, to a group of people or one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so, and I've talked about this a little bit as far as like the whole, I remember in one episode I talked about how sometimes when I'm talking, it feels like somebody just erased the whiteboard. Now this is kind of this, I guess this is the same thing, but I just, I feel like I have a better way to describe it a little bit different way to describe it. So like I said, there's, there'll be a lot of anxiety around this, the situation for no reason. Maybe there is a reason who knows. Um, and what happens is I experience that dissociation of like, seeing like feeling like I've separated from my brain like like feeling like like feeling like I'm observing myself talk there we go that's a good way to describe it so I feel like I'm observing myself talk which mean which means that there's something separate in there like there's something separated in there and it's making it makes it really difficult to talk like observing it, it's like it's like there's there's my body that's like a robot like you know making the words and then there's like my inner 
me. And those things separate and I lose control over like making my body say the words like and I but I still have some control. And so this this is where I tend to struggle with labeling this selective mutism because yes, I have trouble communicating. Um, yes, I have a severely reduced ability to talk. Um, yes, I, if I, if this happens in the middle of me talking, I very quickly bring my part of the conversation to a close because I have no condition to continue addressing people. (laughs) I, I usually kind of stumble to a halt. Um, but I guess I view selective mutism as you go to open your mouth and nothing comes out except maybe a sound. You're just like, ah, and you like literally can't talk because that's not the case. I can still talk and I can definitely give one word answers, few, like a couple word answers. That's really no problem. I mean, am I still experiencing the dissociative state? Um, possibly, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give like a time frame for how long this usually happens for. Um, it can be, it can be relatively quick. It can be, it can be a couple minutes. Um, it can be like two to five minutes. I think it's kind of like my brain's taking a quick break. Um, Although, as far as completely recovering to the point where I can ta- address a group of people again, that that could take could definitely take longer. Um, so yeah, so it's like it's like dissociating while I'm talking, and I'm like losing the ability to talk. So yeah, so and and like I said, I feel like selective mutism and being nonverbal is I view it as very black and white, but I guess. I guess after trying to read more from the autistic community as far as what that is like for people that experience that, it seems like it's kind of a spectrum. Um, it seems like there is the end of the spectrum where um, people maybe experience that where they can't talk at all, um, all the way to they could talk but they'd have to force themselves to talk and it's extremely uncomfortable. It's making things worse as far as pushing them closer towards a meltdown or shutdown um, or into burnout. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else I need to say about that. I guess just that I wanted to talk about it and I want more words to describe what it is. And I want to feel comfortable with I want to start to feel comfortable with what to do when it happens as far as advocating and maybe being like, okay, sorry, like, you know, I, I need a break right now, or I'm going nonverbal right now. And, you know, I would like to continue talking, but, uh, my body's just not letting me and going to typing. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess that's just kind of what's been on my mind lately. Um, As far as the burnout that I think I've been experiencing, um, it kind of just started with not feeling good, like feeling like I was coming down with something. Um, And then 
also my nervous system just feels I guess physically I feel better but my nervous system just has been feeling very raw um and I've definitely had increased meltdowns um and I've had meltdowns like when I like after doing things where I don't really expect there to be a meltdown does that make sense like I feel like there's times when so I think I've talked about this where my meltdowns like I I almost always have one right before my period starts (laughs) um and so those are like predictable meltdowns you know um I feel like I've had more unpredictable meltdowns recently. Um, like I had a very mini one this morning. Um, but I would consider it a meltdown because it was like a state of distress where I had to like go be alone, go do my thing. I kind of have my like, my like thing that I do during meltdowns now. (laughs) I don't know if other like late diagnosed people, um, have experienced this, but like after, after finding out I'm autistic, I like, I didn't really have any coping mechanisms before and I didn't know what caused meltdowns before. And so I would just like go through life completely oblivious to, you know, what meltdowns even were. And I would end up just having like anger explosions or, um, sobbing in my car for no reason because it, because even Because even in the moment when I probably should have, like, gone and went to be by myself and had a meltdown, I might have, like, pushed through anyway, even though I was having very, like, I was in kind of a mental crisis. I would just push through it anyway, and then I'd have, like, an even bigger meltdown, like, later. Um, But like I said, it came out as, like, just a lot of anger or, like, a really, like, awful depressive state where, like, just crying or feeling really horrible about myself. Whereas I feel like now I have more, like, smaller meltdowns that might be a little more frequent, but it's helpful because I don't have to worry about, like, the anger explosions (laughs) or anything. Um, So, I mean, no, that's not true. I do still have to worry about anger (laughs) explosions, but not like I did before. Um... And so, like, for example, this morning, um, I was just, like, anxious for no reason. You know, one of those times. Um, I mean, I guess the reason was leaving to see my clients. um, Because it's Saturday morning, and that's what I do on Saturday morning. But um, a lot of times, that's definitely a trigger for me, is, like, getting ready to go somewhere. Like, the the transition. Transitions can be a big trigger for me. Um, And so you know, I went and did my, my meltdown routine, which is just being by myself. And I have to guarantee that I'm myself by myself. Like that, that is what makes me feel safe. If I can be somewhere where I know nobody is going to walk in on me, um, or anything like that, like knowing that somebody could walk in on me, um, is very, feels very disrupted. Like being interrupted is very, can be really upsetting to me. And, Um, yeah, so being able to go somewhere and like lock the door is really important for me. And so I'll, I'll do that. I'll, you know, make sure I like listen to music or stim or, um, you know, do, do what I need to do 
um, to like release that pent up anxiety. Um, and then I usually feel sad and maybe cry a little and, um, but then I feel a lot better after that's the thing, like (laughs) releasing that, that energy, um, is really helpful. So anyway, I wanted this episode to be mostly about the mutism thing (laughs) because, it's kind of baffled me. It's happened It's happened to me over and over again. And it's really embarrassing um, because not knowing what it is, I don't like, I don't like stop and say, okay, like I'm going nonverbal or okay, I'm what, experiencing this because I don't, ha- I didn't have the words for it. And I feel like, I don't know if I still do, but um, I would just kind of force myself to finish talking. And um, a lot of times it was, I just, I didn't know what to say. Like, I couldn't find the words. Um, I would just, it's it's sort of like, it's on the outside, it probably looks like I'm, my IQ level is just getting lower and lower and lower, like within the space of a minute, just plummeting. Um, And so that's, you know, where the embarrassment comes from, I feel like. I feel like I appear really stupid, for lack of a better word. (laughs) And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, um, I don't know, judge people with lower IQs or anything. I'm just, I'm just saying like, just the, and I have no idea what my IQ is. um, (laughs) But like, just that, that shame, that self-judgment, that shame that, you know, um, of of people, of what people are thinking about you and what you think about yourself. And it's just a whole shame spiral. So anyway, I'm, I feel like I'm out of practice with episodes. <laughs> so, um, I apologize if that was all over the place. I am, I am realizing more and more and more that I probably am an adhd Um, I have identified as one pretty, I started, I started kind of, I want to say self-diagnosing as ADHD pretty recently, but, um, my psychologist did see ADHD in me. She just didn't seem to like be able to, um, give me a hundred percent answer because the assessment wasn't focused on that. It was kind of just like a screening for it. Um, so yeah, (laughs) I think I've, I've talked about this before, but what happened was she basically was like, I'm going to put ADHD on your paperwork so that if you want to get medication and try that and see if it works for you, you can. Um, but basically she said, I'm not like a hundred percent that you're an ADHD or it would, it would, I would, if, if I was continuing to figure out if you are an ADHD or she said, I would try the medication and see how it affects you. Um, and kind of go from there. So I haven't done that yet. Um, maybe there'll be a whole nother episode on ADHD medication. I have no idea. Um, I don't have my report back yet. Still. Um, my psychologist has experienced some personal, um, health issues and things. So I'm not, I'm trying not to like, uh, 
keep asking where's my report she's been very apologetic about it and explained that there's personal stuff going on so that's that's just it is what it is um but when i do get my report i don't know that i would really seek out medication because i don't know i'm i think i'm too nervous as to what the doctor that i end up going to which i'm assuming would be what a psychiatrist i don't know i've i've never sought out ADHD meds, obviously. So I have no idea. I do. I mean, I get, uh, anxiety meds through my primary doctor, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure my psychologist said I would need to go to a psychiatrist. Um, but I'm nervous because they're going to see my report and be like, you don't look autistic and all of that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm what, six months out from diagnosis, five months out from diagnosis. So it hasn't been that long and I still feel nervous and uncomfortable about getting those kinds of reactions, especially from professionals. I, uh, I really struggle with like self-confidence and speaking up for myself. So I guess I'm, I guess I'm not sure if I would, I'm, yeah, I guess I can honestly say I'm not sure if I'd be able to advocate for myself and say, you know, um, like, no, I really am autistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I do better if I can practice what the conversation, how the conversation would go ahead of time. Um, definitely a coping mechanism that I've used. Um, yeah, my self-confidence and speaking up for myself is another thing that I've really been pondering lately. Um, I felt very down about my self-confidence um last I guess it was like last week ish um so yeah I don't I don't know I think it's just gonna take time to build that back up you know built and I say I don't know why I said build it back up I don't think it was ever very built up in the first place um I feel like it it I feel like my self-esteem and my thoughts about myself immediately did get better after my autism diagnosis, but, um, but I'm just so, I just struggle so much with standing up for myself. Um, even if my self-esteem it's, is better, I still, yeah, I just, it's just a very, it's like a muscle that's very weak for me. <laughs> And, um, I, I'm a big fawner. I am a big fawner. I, um, I avoid conflict at all cost. Uh, sometimes even very minor confrontations feel like a conflict to me and throw me into a state of anxiety. Um, and... I mean, maybe in this kind of, maybe this kind of relates to the whole selective mutism thing. Like if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I really like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find an example. I don't think I have the brain power for that right now, but, um, I guess I'll, I'm, I'm thinking of an incident. I am thinking of a specific incident with somebody, but I, I don't want to out who they were. I don't want to, I don't even want to bring up what the topic was about, um, but they were like, oh, I really like this person. I have all their books and everything. And it's somebody that I feel like has spread a lot of misinformation. And I really don't.
don't agree with the things that they say. Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Great. Um, and I know that could be that like I could, it could just be seen as like, okay, you know, you're just kind of glossing over that part of the conversation to not, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people would do that, but I guess what my point is, is that I will do that and put my comfort, even like, even if it's, even if someone's like, like say I'm at somebody's house and they're like, oh, I'm going to have some orange juice and would you like some too? And I'm like, sure. And then they're like, oh yeah, sorry. Like after they gave it to me, it's got pulp in it and, but I really like pulp. So, you know, and say, I, I don't mind. I haven't had anything with pulp in it in a long time. So, but I'm going to, I'm from what I remember, I don't mind pulp, (laughs) which, you know, maybe I would think a lot of autistic people don't like pulp, but anyway, um, so like, say I say I can't stand pulp, but I don't want to offend the person. Like, is saying that going to offend them? Then they'll have to jump, dump the juice that they gave me out. And that's like a waste of money. And, you know, it like spirals in my head. And I'm just, and in that moment, I would just probably be like, oh yeah, sure. Pulp's great. <laughs> you know, and I would just like pretend to like it. And that's, that is, I guess that's probably a better example than my other example. <laughs> um, but yeah, like little things like that, where my comfort comes last. Like I was, what was I listening to? I was listening to something recently where the person was like, I'll put off like going to the bathroom, like excusing myself and going to the bathroom when I'm like having a conversation with a group of people or like, you know, out somewhere or whatever, because I don't know when to like interject like, oh, hey, I got to go to the bathroom or and like, I'm worried that I'm going to like awkwardly interrupt the person. They're going to get annoyed with me or you know, stuff like that, like putting off your own comfort of having to go to the bathroom because you're like afraid it's going to like upset somebody. That is me. (laughs) Um, and like I said, I think it goes along with a selective mutism a little bit because I overthink it and I get really anxious about it. And so I put it off or feel unable to communicate it. Um, which I would say was a lot worse when I was a kid, like asking for help, letting a teacher know that I didn't understand or needed help with something was sometimes impossible for me. I remember times, I remember times even in college where I would go to raise my hand and because I knew the answer to a question and, um, or I'd go to raise my hand and I'd either have to like abort mission and lower my hand or just never raise it because my heart would just start pounding, like just like, in, like full on like panic attack, um, or anxiety attack. I'm not, I mean, again, that's something that I don't really know what the difference is or what the correct label would be, but just like a complete fight or flight reaction. Um, and it would kind of take all my focus to not let on to people on the outside that this was happening. And so obviously could not answer the question. Um, so yeah, anxiety is a pain, it's a pain in the butt. (laughs) Oh, anyway. Um, I think I'm going to get going. I just had a little shopping spree. 
Um, I only had one client today, so I went on a little shopping spree, got some yarn. Um, I'm sure my husband's gonna roll his eyes a little bit. He is very supportive of my interests, but I know it's been a lot for him to deal with my bouncing around of intense interests and and hyperfixations and special interests and I know it's I know it's been a lot um some of them are more um obscure than others sorry about that honking by the way I'm in a parking lot and somebody was just like driving through the parking lot and cut somebody off and I I think the other person honked at them <sighs> which I don't blame them for they looked like they weren't not being a good driver anyway <laughs> um so yeah so thanks for listening like I said I feel like this was completely unorganized and just like word vomit but you know sometimes that happens and like I said I'm pretty sure I'm an adhd -er. well an adhd -er. and I don't know I part of me is proud of that even though it's a struggle some days and my gosh here's somebody else just like flying through the parking lot do you ever see people do that like just fly through the middle of a parking lot like not following the you know the road <laughs> like the the roads that go through the parking lot they just cut right through all the spaces and they don't even like like if i if i do that if i feel like i have to do that i do it really carefully because that can be dangerous but some people will just fly through yeah i i hate i hate being near traffic i hate it it's just i used i used to live we used to live in a town that was a lot busier and had a lot more traffic and um it was not i mean it wasn't even that bad compared to some places but when we moved further out into the country i was like oh this is so much better so like i just felt myself like breathe this sigh of relief um the less people, the better. And it's, I have nothing against people. Okay, maybe I do a little bit. <laughs> but um, I have nothing against, like, smaller amounts of people. <laughs> but large amounts of people are unpredictable and scary. <laughs> I just... Oh, man. I'm definitely like a... I'm definitely a, like, I want to live in the middle of the woods with nobody else, but my immediate family kind of autistic person. <laughs> uh, I think there's a little bit of a stereotype, like, oh, you're autistic, so you don't like people. Um, but it's it's really not that. It's the, it's the unpredictability, the noise, the commotion. Like, it just feels really, like, alarming to me. <laughs> So anyway, thanks again for listening to the ramble. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to doing more episodes soon. Um, try to get back to my once a week. Will they be at the same time every week? I don't know. Um, I think it'd be a good idea for me to use the like scheduling feature so I can maybe record whenever I want, but try to schedule it for the same day. If that works, I don't know if that'll work, but, um, that's what I might try and do. So keep a lookout. Um, hopefully I will set a day, I guess I'm, and I don't know if this is a PDA thing or what, but <laughs> I'm afraid that if I pick a day, like if I say I'm always going to do 
uh, I'm always going to release podcasts on Tuesdays. If I'm afraid if I say that, it's going to make it so it can't happen. <laughs> um, cause that's what happens to me with a lot of things. Like if I, if I'm like, I'm going to do this. And especially if I tell other people, then like, I'm going to do this. It's like, then my brain is like, no, you're not. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> I hope you have a good rest of your day or morning or night or whatever time it is for you here. It's the weekend. So I'm going to try to enjoy, uh, some relaxation this weekend. And I hope that you are able to take some time for yourself, um, do some self care, whatever that, whatever that looks like for you, spend time with your special interests and your feelings are valid. I feel like that's an important thing to, to remind people that your feelings are valid, even if they're two completely different, op two opposite feelings, two things can be true at once. Your feelings are valid. So take care, everybody, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.